In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart D.C., right here on life-changing talk radio, WAVA 105.1 FM. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, you already know this. If you've been listening to Good News for the City for any length of time, you'll note that we do not shy away from difficult or sensitive subjects. And the reason is really pretty simple. Life is filled with difficult and sensitive issues. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Today on Good News for the City, we're going to talk about one of those difficult challenges facing families, not just in our area, but all over the country, indeed, all over the world. How do you handle life when there is a family member who has an addiction problem? Well, Fred and Jason Lemonson are here to share their story and that there is hope for a loved one in recovery and in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about it. And, of course, to get us started, to introduce our guest for the day, I want to welcome my good friend, my good buddy. Haven't seen in a while, brother. It has been a bit. Dude, Pastor Brian Bales. Still my name. Is that right? Yeah, I think you did. Good, man. I'm glad I got that. You guys know. Brian is the senior pastor of of, uh, Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. He's my buddy. He doesn't always like to admit that, but however, God bless you, man. Good to see you. Welcome. Well, you know, it is in uh, the heat of July, and it has been a while since we've seen each other, so thanks for dressing up to see me. I wish you were in studio to see him. He's got this monochromatic long sleeve tie look going on. Uh, believe it or not, he has uh, dressed for TV, but still a face for radio, if amen, you were here. Amen. I got a face amen. for radio and dressed dress for radio as well uh, today. But I'd like to welcome... I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. I know. Yeah. But I would like to welcome back Fred Lemonson and his son Jason. Fred was a guest here previously on the show uh, back in September when we discussed dealing with addiction from a parent's perspective. And it was a great show we talked about how what god wants us to do and how do we live in the midst of that what does it look like to help and what does it look like when we're not really helping we think we're helping but in actually we're enabling and in a lot of those tensions yes. that only a parent yes. could really understand uh when they have a child struggling especially when it comes to struggling with addiction and if you weren't able to listen to the show back in uh, september good news for the city has a good news for the city webpage, Amen. right? Goodnewsforthecity.com. You can go there, go to our podcast page, and it is podcast number forty-two. If you just look at the numbers there, and it'll give you a little bit more of background. You don't you don't necessarily had to have heard that show to understand what we're going to talk about today. But we are really considering today sort of part two of that discussion. And so, uh, don't stop listening now if you're in the car in the podcast to go back. We want you to listen now, but definitely pick up on podcast number forty-two 
to know a little bit more about a holistic story of what we've been talking about as Jason, uh, Fred's son, and Fred and the whole Lemonson family sort of taken this journey together. So uh, welcome back, Fred, uh, to the studio. Glad to have you here. And Jason, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks yeah. for having us. So, um, yeah. Good to see you guys. We can have all kinds of conversations about all kinds of things today, but uh, we're going to talk about this reality of addiction and how it uh, connects and how it hurts in our life and how God can help us overcome it mm-hmm. in that way. And in the previous episode, as I mentioned, we heard Fred's perspective, uh, but now, Jason, we get your perspective a little bit uh, for us this morning. And so as uh, kind of we hop into this, can you share a little bit your story of um, how you wound up, where you wound up and how the addiction started? Well, I mean, for me, it's, um, you know, it's start, start, you know, drug use started at an early age, but the actual addiction piece of it didn't really you know, take really hold until probably about 15 years ago. Okay. I was, um, you know, I just always progress. And then, you know, when you become an IV drug user, that things become pretty serious. Mm. You know, at that point in time in your life, if you've made a choice to, to do that, then you probably have a problem. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's kind of where it started with me as far as when it became pretty serious. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I took a lifelong journey of, of drug usage over. Um, you know, many years, you know, my addiction really was about 20 years worth of addiction and 12 years worth of really serious addiction. Mm. And when I started seeing consequences to my actions, not, you know, uh, first just my own consequences and then my consequences started affecting other people around me, you know, and that's when I really realized that, that I started, you know, as I look back on it, on my journey, that's when (laughs) You know, the addiction and and everything really started to take hold. Yeah, I think we as human beings, I mean, have this tendency lots of times uh, that uh, we have exceptional thinking. And by what I mean by exceptional thinking is we're not necessarily exceptional thinkers. We think that we're the exception. Exactly. Right. In that way, you hear the old statement like um, there's always an exception to the rule. Well, most of us are the rule. Rarely are we the exception. And what I kind of hear in your story is that there was a a time and a place in your life where you would have actually been addicted, but you continued to tell yourself, I've got this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for many years, I was able to maintain work, maintain, you know, employment and and pretty good jobs. Now, all those jobs I eventually lost, you know, most cases because of my addiction, you know, because of my performance or or, you know, what may be the issue. But it, um, you know, there was just it became a point in time where I couldn't maintain it anymore. I couldn't maintain life. It was just impossible. And Fred, that has to be an interesting place because as obviously a parent who cares deeply uh, about your son, but take a parent part away, someone from the outside looking in, there are times where having a perspective away from being right in the middle of it, we're able to see more clearly that which is true about someone's life. We, we can often see better into other people's lives than we can in our own life. Yes. And, and that was the case. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this. Um, so to give us, you know, again, a bit of a brief description today, we talked about a lot of it back in podcast 42, uh, but for today's purpose about how you began as a family, you personally began to deal with this reality of Jason going through addiction, whether he recognized it was an addiction or whether he didn't recognize it? Uh, It's a very long, sorted story, but the short version of it is it starts out when you first discover it's basically shock. Mm. Um, I mean, we knew he partied and did stuff, and, you know, I mean, that's, you know, in a lot of cases, normal growing out of stuff or getting into and out of stuff, but... um, 
when his mother confronted him and he, you know, obviously at first fought it, you know, very aggressively and said, no, 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 no. I was in denial all yeah, the time. Totally sure. in denial. <laughs> then he finally said, okay, you're right. I'm coming clean. And, yeah. and it was just, you know, you're, it's the last thing in the world you ever think about or, you know, for your son. I mean, it's just not something that's in, that's in the mindset. So it starts with shock. And then, you know, you, you go into your own denial. Well, you know, he can kick it or it's probably not that bad. Or, I mean, you just, you go through all kinds of things and, um, it just, it never lets up. I mean, I think that's the thing that, that any parent will tell you, and we'll talk about pal group and what we hear from other parents, but, it just never it's relentless um it never lets up um yeah and i have to imagine as a parent and again i know every parent parental experience is different you have grown children uh dennis you have uh, grown children fred mine are still in the middle school elementary school age but i'm amazed at myself even when i watch my children make choices uh, that are poor how many times i stop and go is this my fault right and and, in times i struggle with dealing with what they're dealing with because i've got to deal with my part first right And I can live in denial as a parent who has in some ways facilitated maybe some behavior, not addictive behavior yet, but behavior that isn't great. And so there's there's some difficulty and challenge going on both ends of this relationship. Trust me, every parent goes through that exercise. Yeah. Where did we go wrong? What did we do? What could we have done differently? You know. Each parent does it in their own way. Then you personally, then you talk about it. Well, how do we how do we fail him? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you didn't. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to get your head at. Their addiction is is their choice. Yeah. And it just it takes time to sort through that. It really does. And I had to tell them at one point that you know you you guys did absolutely nothing wrong. You know, the choices that I made were my choices. You gave me every opportunity and gave me the right direction and the right path. It wasn't because of anything that that they did or didn't do, you know, throughout the course of it. It was it was it was my doing. And 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 from an addict standpoint, it's it's hard to to get around. That's something that was really hard to deal with. But, you know, something I had to move past, too, is getting over the choices that I made. Yeah. And one of the good news about the gospel is that there is grace. Amen. Right? There is nothing that we ever have done. Absolutely. Currently doing or will do in the future uh, that the good news of the gospel doesn't say that Jesus Amen. doesn't already Amen. know, has Amen. known or will know about. Right. And still he chose to love us and give his life for us so that we could be set free. And, and that's good news. And that's a great part of his story. Yeah. I'll let him share that because that is a beautiful, that is why he's here where he is today and why we're here side by side talking about this issue. So, yeah. So let's talk about this for a moment, Jason, if we can, you know, obviously you mentioned earlier on that there was a moment where you said, well, if you're, if I'm an IV drug user, I I realize I'm an addict at at that point. But my imagination from having separate conversations in an interview with your father before and and offline and and just dealing and talking with people who deal with uh, multiple uh, types of addictions. We've Mm -hmm. had several shows that we've talked about celebrate recovery and other Mm -hmm. things here. Good news for the city that, you know, addiction isn't just about one particular substance or sometimes addiction isn't really even about a substance. Right. Right. And that's a whole nother issue. We've talked on another shows but when did you right when did you actually realize it was out of control was it at that IV moment because I'm sure you'd had conversations with others around you who had tried to tell you something that you weren't going to accept yet or was it when you lost the jobs it was when the consequences really started coming into play you yeah. know when when you really when I just couldn't keep 
life together. You know, when I started developing serious consequences, and I had a lot of serious consequences, <laughs> not just the things that I put my my family through, but the things I put myself through. You know, I've been to prison. Mm. I've um, I've been homeless. I've lived in homeless shelters. Um, I've been on the streets of D.C. Like so, when you start having consequences like that. You uh, you know there's a problem, yeah, right. And sometimes, and Dennis, we've talked about this publicly before on this show. That's one of the really hard things that comes about as uh, someone who cares for someone, who loves for someone, to watch them go through difficulty or pain, or in this case, allow them to reap the consequences that their actions are showing. Right. When we don't want to see that, right? But eventually, reaping those consequences maybe, and in this case, sounds like one of the the real wake up calls in that way because you were probably I'm going to imagine um, this is going to sound strange but understand what I'm saying here a good addict and by good addict <laughs> he was the best what I, yeah. Yeah, but what I mean by good addict is is that people who, who carry significant addictions who are good at carrying those addictions are very good at having bifurcated lives mm-hmm. yeah. that yeah. they can play really well at work they can play really well here no one knows what's going on and yes. they can they can maintain that for a very very long time at least from an outer perspective yeah, right? absolutely I was able to do it for a for a, a good amount of time, you know, for many years, I was able to do both sides of the fence, you know, work and, you know, maintain the other lifestyle. But, you know, after a while, I couldn't even maintain work, you know, towards the end before I actually went to prison. I I couldn't maintain a job. You know, my, my life consisted of I was my, I was a slave to my addiction. Mm, yeah. I literally that's all that. All my time was spent was committing illegal activity to get money to feed my addiction. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what it came to for yeah. me eventually. You and know, Brian, I was, <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at, at Fred and Jason and I'm thinking, are they telling their story? Are they telling mine? Yeah. <laughs> because I have a son who was an addict and saved by the grace of God and, and created so many issues for himself. And it just hit me when you said, until the consequences, until his wife kicked him out right. and he became homeless. Yeah. It was all, so it's just very real for me and sad, but also wonderful because, like you, um, he has turned his life around through Jesus Christ. And yeah. So thank and you again yeah. for being here. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, no, and we've, we've talked to a lot of us. We've yeah, talked to you and talked to your son on this show before, and that was a, yeah. another great opportunity to talk again about how the power of the gospel can change anything. None of us are are, are too far gone. And, and maybe there's someone listening right now who begin to think that. I mean, yeah. we do have a lot of people who, who listen uh, when the show comes on on Saturday and Sunday or they listen to podcasts. Or what we've discovered is some people will hear this show and say, I know somebody who really yes, needs right. to hear this yeah, and, and will pass it along yeah, or whatever it might be. Yeah. And um, someone so who's listening to this and they themselves or they have a loved one who's currently dealing with addiction, the recovery as, as someone who is in recovery yourself. What were some of the best things or support mechanisms that your family and your loved ones put in place, not just before you found yourself in recovery, but now that you found yourself in recovery, too? Because having a community around us and support is just as important in recovery as pre-recovery. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, to be clear, I've put my parents through an enormous amount of pain. And um, so the, the, the support has been 
different over mm-hmm. the years, right? Right, um, and as an in an active addiction. You know, the best thing that they can do, two things. One, you can call it not support if you want is but by no means ever give them money mm-hmm. for anything. Offer them support and the fact that I'm here for you, you know, it, and I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help you, but I can't financially help you because there were times when, you know, my, my, my parents should have cut me off, you know, way before they did. And uh, that, you know... It, it hurt me yeah. and it hurt them yeah. right um, but it's a totally different look for us today Amen. because you know that we now we have boundaries that that we live with from one another mm-hmm. that we respect from one another and that's huge for me because my relationship because of these boundaries with them mm-hmm. has grown immensely yeah and and being able to respect and understand those boundaries now that I'm clean and in recovery is is amazing and love looks different in different places I mean, we even look at scripture and we look at god if you go back to the book of joshua in chapter seven um i just recently talked about uh the ai when the israelites lost at ai in joshua chapter seven and, and i kind of made this point that what god did in that moment wasn't specifically to punish ai but what he did was he said listen israelites if you're not going to walk with me in my presence and obey me and that sort of stuff i'm just going to step away and i'm going to let you have your natural consequences and without him doing that they wouldn't have understood how important these other things were it was loving to step away and there are times it's loving and and now on the other side of recovery still having boundaries and and loving looks probably a little bit different right it looks it looks great you know it's amazing <laughs> yeah. like, you know that you know because you know because of this we actually have a real relationship you yeah. know uh, you know and, and my dad will attest to this he and i never spoke on the phone hardly and it and it and before this mm-hmm. now I was actually thinking about it the other day and and we talk pretty regularly but I had this you know it was been a few days and I was like man I need to call him like because I feel like now if we're not having these conversations that we have a couple times a week that something's missing sure you know and and that's an amazing feeling to have because quite honestly you know we just didn't talk on the phone at all well, Fred, for people who are listening, let's talk about PAL groups. PAL stands for Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. You can find out more about going to www.palgroup.org. Uh, and you're a part of this organization, and you're affiliated with it. You, you run a PAL group uh, and many things like that. Um, for people listening, talk about that group and it, its approach and how it helps and maybe how it's even different than other recovery-type groups. Sure, I'd love to do that. PAL is something that I wish, and every parent that's ever walked through our doors, says the same thing. I wish we had known about this years ago. Dennis, mm. you would have said the same thing. Yeah. Um, because th- th- just talk about what parents go through. And any parents that are listening, I, I probably said this in the first show, but the worst thing for a parent is isolation. Mm-hmm. But it's also the first thing that you go to. You're embarrassed. Um, you know, we threw embarrassing amounts of money to try to, quote, unquote, help fix whatever term you want to use mm-hmm. is addiction mm-hmm. and keep in mind brian he's an adult right yeah um but one of the things that the power group teaches about addiction is the concept of emotional um, development delayed emotional growth and when you start addiction in your teen years that 
arrests your development, right? It arrests your development. And so you throw drugs on that, and that can, you know, extend that development for a long, long time. And so you treat, you see your child, your adult child, acting like a, a kid who's much, much younger. That's what parents treat them like, and that's the absolute worst thing you can do. And so what it really helps you do, as I'm listening to you talk, is it helps you, first off, mentally getting your head around what is actually true about the scenario you find right. yourself versus what is not true. And sometimes we, when we live from a lie, it, it becomes the reality we experience, but it's not what it has to be. Right. And so um, it's been unbelievably uh, life-changing. We talked about some PAL groups when you were here mm-hmm. before in that way. And, and do encourage you to go to palgroup.org www.palgroup.org uh, to find out. You can find it there where a local PAL group is yeah. involved. You lead one in, uh, in out in Ashburn, Sterling, actually near where we well, are at Reston Bible if, Church. If I could, I'd like to give that website. So yeah, go ahead. Find out the local. It's we, held, we hold ours every Monday night from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at Reston Bible. And the local website is restonbible.org slash P-A-L. Yeah. So that's restonbible.org slash P-A-L. Yeah. And you ask what makes PAL different, there's a couple of things. Um, and this isn't to put PAL ahead of or, or you know above or below any other group because everybody gets reached differently. Um, and Jason will tell you that's true for, for addicts and that's true for parents as well. So what's different about PAL is it was developed by a guy who is a licensed counselor for 35 years. And he developed a curriculum of nine lessons. And we teach about addiction from the addict's perspective and from the parent's perspective. We talk about good helping versus Mm. not so good helping. Mm. Um, And really the goal is not to help the addict, although that often is a byproduct of getting healthy as a parent, but it's about getting healthy as a parent, living your life and letting them live their life. And in doing that, it often helps the addict understand they need to make changes. And the one thing that I would say that you that is so difficult for parents, you want to help them avoid those consequences, right? Yeah. You don't want to see your kid get hurt. You don't no. want to see him go to jail or all of that. But that's exactly what they often need, Brian, to get better. Yeah. They need the consequences, but we want to protect them. That's our, you know, that's how we're wired as parents, I, right? I wouldn't have gotten better without consequences. Yeah, you know, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, not and also without, you know, understanding what Jesus has done for me. That was a big part of my story as well. But the consequences led up to that moment. And that's a moment of clarity that we often have. In hindsight, yeah, and as a, as a, a loved one of those sorts of stuff who may be dealing with someone who's on the pre side of recovery, mm-hmm. down on the post side of recovery, so to speak, um, hear those words from Jason uh, as someone who's been there, uh, done that, have uh, the experiences that come from those choices. Say that actually is what's needed. And Jason, one of the things that we do in the show a lot near the end, in and we only got about one minute or so left, is that. If there's someone here listening today who's either struggling themselves or have their parent that's struggling or whatever it might be, um, could you just encourage them? Uh, tell them maybe do this or, or just say, hey, this is what it means to me and how you can I mean, change. The biggest encouragement I can say is don't underestimate what, what God can do for you. That, that'll preach right there, by the know, way. Yeah, because I, I'm a testimony to to what. The, the things that God has done for me just in the last year and it is um, you know every day you know is 
is special for mm-hmm. me. Amen. And every Amen. every opportunity that I get is I give glory to God for it because I'm I'm able to sit here today and do things like come on this radio show, maintain a job. Yeah. Um, you know, and all of that stuff, you know, my life was very different. You know, a year ago. And um, so whatever it takes, you know, foster and try to work on a relationship with God, because that's what keeps me sober. And can I just tell you to sum that up? That is something that his mother and I prayed for almost every day for the entire time that he was in this mess. Yeah. And so my encouragement to parent is never give up. Never stop praying. Never stop hope. Because God in the person of Jesus Christ is in the fixing business. Yeah. He can do yes, this. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. So never yeah. give up hope. Yeah. We prayed for years. And yeah. the fact that we're sitting here together is an absolute answer to prayer. So, Fred, thank you for that encouragement. Jason, thank you for your vulnerability in coming and sharing this. And, and the reminder of what we say on the show near the end all the time, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's Amen. the gospel that brought Paul the Apostle, who was a murderer, back to Christ. It was the gospel that brought people caught you know, in prostitution, that bring back to Christ also Scripture. And it's the gospel that can get people uh, who are caught in addiction right Amen. back to where he wants yeah. to be. Amen. Right? Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. Guys, thanks. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you and not us. thank you. Because it was kind of looking in a mirror today. <laughs> but but there's good news Amen. for me and my son and y'all. So thank you. God bless you. I love you guys. Thank Man, you. I, I love the story. It's powerful. And thank you, Jesus, Amen. for all of this. Thank Folks, you. Amen. if you want more info, again, go to palgroup.org. That's palgroup.org. Or if you want to hear it again, you want to hear this in podcast, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com goodnewsforthecity.com or wava.com. Put in the keyword good news. Look under our podcast page and you can find it all again. Or if you're old school like I am, man, you can call me right here at the radio station 703-807-2266. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you folks for joining us today and we will see you again next week. And remember, as Brian just said, it's the gospel that makes a way. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703 703-807-2266 and remember it's the gospel that makes a way